0: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. So, CL and I are out of pocket right now. This is Chris. And yes, we're out of pocket like Lamar Jackson will be out of the pocket a lot of times this fall for the Ravens. Can't say the same for Corey's uh, Roethlisberger guy because, yeah, he's always He stays in the pocket. He just stands there. But he will kill you if you let him stand there. But anyway, um, yeah, we're going to have an all-American show this week. So please just settle back and revisit two great conversations that we had with literal all-Americans, starting with Jenny Simpson, three-time Olympian, uh, world record holder at one point, U.S. national record holder. She is a great... Person 1500 meter specialist Jenny Simpson. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Wow, that's all I have to. I, I got to start off with wow. That is how excited I am right now for our guest on the show today. Now, let me just give you the rundown real quick. Uh, CL's going to give me the stop sign. He's going to have to because there's just so many accolades here. But here's just, I'm going to try to make it brief, CL. The rundown three time Olympian, bronze medalist from 2016 Rio, 1,500 meters, ranked number one in the world in 2014, nine-time USA track and field champion, Uh, gold medalist twice in the world championships in 1,500 meters, third fastest American all time, that's everybody that's ever lived in the 1,500 meter, and then second fastest, I'm just going to come in low like that. On the 3,000 meter, second fastest American all time. I mean, just a champion all around. Right now, I think the official title that our guest, Jennifer Simpson, Jenny Simpson, has is she's a 1,500 meter specialist, and she runs for New Balance. We are uh, so thrilled to have Jenny Berenger with us. Jenny, how you doing? I'm great. Yeah, guys,
1: thanks for having me. That's Quite
0: the introduction. I appreciate. Feel free to call me anytime you need, you know, like an intro like that, Jenny. Yeah, my next workout, man. I want you on the star line. There you go. So, so folks, now I I have to let you in on a little cheat here, and that is that that Jennifer and I go back quite a ways. And, CL, before we get into just some business, some some you know serious sports talk, I do want to clarify one thing here. So, so Jenny and I go back. Jenny's family. And I go back, uh, back to days in Orlando, where where Jenny is from. You you were born in Orlando, is that right?
1: I was born in Iowa, but yeah, I, I grew up in Orlando.
0: That's right, I remember that. So, Jenny, you know, I was uh, a a uh, youth worker and and sort of like a kids pastor at the church that Jenny and her family attended. And Jenny was my number one assistant for for a good bit there for a season. She was just the best. She was the best. I
1: and did she a lot of copies. I totally <laughs> I was an elementary school child. <laughs> if if
0: track had not worked. Out, you definitely had a future, and you know, Xerox with the Xerox Being company. A
1: personal assistant, yes. <laughs> no, I wasn't gonna
0: say that. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say Okay, all right, so so Jenny's so proud of, of everything you've done and everything that you are doing, um, but uh, okay, so CEO. C.L. has had his doubts on the athletic prowess that I tell him about that I have all the time. and uh, I just want to bring up a certain story, C.L. I have beaten a horse in a race. You are looking at me in the face, C.L. And you are seeing that I'm straight up. I have beaten a horse in a
2: race, C.L. Clearly, you're, you're talking about the little... $0.25 cent, uh, carousels that are in front of, like, uh, you know, back in the day it was Kmart when we were growing up. <laughs> you know, you pop the quarter in, it goes. That that horse, I'm, I'm sure, you smoked him. CL, of course, I did smoke that horse. But, CL, that horse doesn't go anywhere. I'm talking about a real
0: live <laughs> exactly. horse. A real live horse in a race. I think it's about 40 yards, I, I want to say. Jenny can help me out. But, but Jenny... A three-time Olympian, uh, a world champion, she is here to verify the story. Jenny, is this story true?
1: Little little known fact is that my my athletic introduction was actually through equine sports, which I look at now and I think that was so much smarter, having the horse do all the work. I don't know why. <laughs> and then I shouldered all of, all of the hard work on my own, but uh, yeah, we grew up with horses and we we had a lot of fun doing sketches and videos and stuff for uh for the kids uh for the kids church that we were doing and there might have been a a foot race might we say between a four-legged animal and a a two-legged man i'm not going to speak to how much background Setting up was done uh, for the video, but the ending was that Chris came out victorious. <laughs>
0: wait, 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 wait. I think you're, no, wait, hold on, no, no. I think you're confusing the video, and we're going to post this on RIG TV because there is a video of a race with Jenny and myself. And you know, the, and, and we nicknamed her we nicknamed her Air Chop Jenny. How we had no idea that she'd be an Olympic champion one day, but Air Chop Jenny just because of the way she ran, she was so serious about chop the air. So we had a race between you know Mr. Chris and Air Chop Jenny and, and I'll post that. But but no no no. This was impromptu. It was you, you know, a race between uh, one of the horses you were on and me. I just said, Hey, let me let me just try to race this horse. It was impromptu. <laughs> Speed.
1: Yeah, I think I think in the short, in the shortest distance, I think Chris smoked him. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> that
2: ain't um, no Kmart horse well, yeah I'm still not accepting of that. Um.
1: You know what I love about this? You know what I love about the whole scenario It's that there's so many times in your life when you do go on to be an Olympian and medal and have all these. You know, everybody loves that like behind the scenes human interest story side of your journey. And there are so many people, once you already make it, that are like, oh, man, I just knew. I knew you had it. I saw you as a runner when you were you know, <laughs> out of the womb. And, uh, and you just kind of have to roll your eyes and take it. But this video totally uh, uh, validates that Chris saw Chris some air chop Jenny when uh, she was really, really young. And so you were, you were one of the very early identifiers of some potential speed. In, in me. So anyway, that's Thank really you. fun for me. I if you post a video, I really want you to because I I would I would get such. A mortifying <laughs> mix of joy.
0: And <laughs> <I> love it. <laughs> oh yeah, no, you'll love you'll love the video. I, I definitely have it, and it'll go up. And yeah, you, I mean, we like that thing was produced. We got people to come and sit in the stands. It was man, that was so much fun. So so we'll take a look at that now. Now, so in three weeks, uh, Jenny, you are going to the the trials. Is that right?
1: That's right. Yeah, the the USA championships are the trials for the U, for the team USA um, to make the team to uh, represent the US at the World Championships in Doha Qatar in uh, September and October of this year.
0: Awesome. And so 1500 is what we're looking at. What do you how are you feeling? How's your training been coming? You know, what's your outlook?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm really I'm really proud of the longevity i've had in my career um and i just got back from a race uh I, I went over and i raced in rome and then over in rabat morocco a few weeks ago um and really really proudly got my 10th career sub four in the 1500. um wow. and every year i've gone sub four has been a year that i've really had um really good chances at u.s championships and also at world championships so Knowing that I've I've already kind of achieved that mark, I think it puts me on kind of the right path and the right trajectory. Um, and you guys are sports guys, you get you get it. You get it. Like, so mm-hmm. much of it is also the confidence, right? You can do all the training that you want behind the scenes, but when the pressure's really on and you know that you you've kinda had what you needed on that day, it gives you a lot of confidence going into something that's uh, a lot more pressure like the like the US championship.
2: Jenny, this is CL. Um, I was curious. You just mentioned a couple of places that you've run. What, what's viewed uh, by you know track athletes, uh, uh, world world renowned track athletes like yourself? Uh, what's viewed as the best venue or, or best venues to uh, to run?
1: Oh, uh, such a that's such a good question. Um, I do think that the crowd can really elevate an athlete's performances and experiences I mean it's really different when you're racing in front of a few thousand people versus in an Olympic stadium you're you can I've raced before in front of 80,000 people um and so I, I do think the best venues are kind of the atmosphere where it's this big huge experience and that almost exclusively happens uh inside Olympic stadiums and I've I've been so lucky in my life I've raced in Olympic stadiums all over the world China. Tokyo, uh, Stockholm, uh, just all, I mean, all over the world. Rome is an Olympic stadium. Berlin, I've raced in that Olympic stadium. So those are always my favorite, but the meet in the United States to run is a pre Oh classic. Yeah. Um, it's always right around this time of year. It's a little bit different timing, um, this year. So I'm not going to be able to attend, but, um, but I have a teammate that's going to be racing and it's this Sunday. So if, if USA track and field fans want to watch, the USA meet of the year for professionals. Um, it's coming up this Sunday, the pre-funting
2: Yeah, and out of curiosity, so well, your first Olympics was 2008, and I was wondering if, uh, did your coach have to do, like, a, was there a Hoosiers moment there where, you know, uh, just to make sure you didn't get caught up in the, the size of the event and the crowd and everything, like, look, there's 1,500 measures out the same way everywhere. <laughs>
1: That you bring up that movie because that that has to be like top five favorite movies of mine of all time. <laughs> um, because whenever you approach such a big event, like even with all the experiences I've had, I I feel like I still have that Hoosiers moment every time I enter those really major venues. You look out and you think, who who got me here? You know what 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 did I do to get myself? <laughs> into this, uh, and you do have to remember, like, and this is the, the way I have kind of like simmered it all down into one easy phrase for myself. I always look down at the track and I say, this is home. Like, mm. these 400 meters don't change no matter where you are on the road. Um, and that's kind of my Hoosiers moment every time I get into a major championship or a major stadium. As I say, all right, these 400 meters, this is home. And girl knows what to do on those 400 meters so just mm-hmm. go, go do there what you've done so many times to earn your spot here
2: I think you should do and Chris you'll appreciate this, you should do like uh Ray Lewis used to when he would like pick up kinda like the gladiator, you pick up the dirt and throw it <laughs> off and then do a dance right before you get into uh the starting blocks. <laughs> yes.
0: I'm sure I, I'm sure I modeled to you a dancer. An dance that yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I modeled a dancer too back in the day that you might be able to And again, I'd be more than happy to, you know, Skype you and and yeah, yeah, come up with something, some kind of celebratory. So, uh, all right, Jenny. So, so shifting gears here to, you know, uh, some of the topics at hand here, uh, current event type things, just real quick. Um, First of all, CL and I were trying to figure this out. What is the IAAF's regulation when it comes to? Uh, Testosterone levels For female athletes Is it for Do they have a regulation for all athletes Or is it just for certain events What is your understanding of that
1: Yeah Now you have just stepped into something that could now Be a three hour conversation At the the end (laughs) we wouldn't know We wouldn't have decided on anymore Um, Yeah it's just a really difficult And complicated thing that we're, we're Living in in this moment So I don't know five years from now looking back what will come out of this. Um, but the, the, the answer to your question for right now is nobody really knows. Um, the IAAF is kind of in this space where they're figuring out how to handle um, the, the gender issue. And I, I guess the best, and, and so it changes. And so even throughout the season, when I'm really focused on my own events, there mm. are changes that take place and there are court rulings that take place. And so I'm not always... Um, the most up-to-date with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely an issue that I think is really important and really deserves um, our attention and, and deserves the IAAF to really take the time to get it right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, one thing that i've admired about you you know as i have followed your career from afar jenny is that you are uh, you're a straight arrow um, you know you you pride yourself on hard work and dedication and and just doing things you know by the book the the right way and you no know, questions asked so uh, you know with with these regulations and rules do you have a take on you know uh, athletes that might have to lower their testosterone levels do you feel like you know that's that's a way that they should go or are you just more concerned right. about your own training or what
1: right i think the important thing that sometimes gets conflated a little bit is that there's two really both important but very different issues at hand one is somebody's somebody's right to have their own gender identity to have their own decision on gender identity and Mm -hmm. in their life and in their world and how they relate to the people around them to have the right to have to to call their own shots on gender identity now on the other hand within sports there's the idea of fair play Mm -hmm. and the reason that we have Men, uh, a category for men and a category for women is not just because the genders are separated for some unknown reason. It's because there is such a physiological difference between the two that there's not a a fair, there's not a sense of fair play between the two. And I'll I'll give you an example. The best high schoolers, the best high school boys in the country um, can run 402, 403, 404 for a full mile and i am one of the best milers for women in the history of the united states Mm. my best time ever in the mile is 417. so if a high school boy and i got on the track together even an average high school boy would probably smoke me on on one of their good days and so the difference in physiological like competitiveness is just so different that those those bridges can't really be gapped or uh, you know can't really be spanned and so in the spirit of fair play, this question deserves to be answered while also kind of retaining people's ability to kind of have the identity that they want. So that's the sticking point, right? And so I don't know, and I do think that the, the conversation sometimes gets a little bit um, derailed because it becomes this really big conversation about people have the right to gender identify the, the way that they do. And I don't think anyone in this sport is saying, you know, that socially, that there are social and social justice issues, that that issue is an issue at hand inside the sport. Mm-hmm. What's really at issue is the reason we have gender categories is because in the spirit of fair play, there should be somebody that has the ability, you know, deserving to win kind of within those categories. And how can we ensure that those categories um, are, are fairly identified in order to preserve that idea of fair play?
0: Okay. So, J- Jenny, have you raced against Castro Semenya, and and have you? And what are your kind of your, what are your just recollections thereof? If so,
1: yeah. So I have a really I have a really really unusual uh, experience that I have raced her only once, but I'm undefeated. <laughs> so I've, there are very few people that have beat Castor Semenya and Steve on and I both. Um, beat her in the final of um, the 1500 meters in 2017 at the London World Championship. So she is traditionally and most well known for being an 800 meter runner, but um, she really courageously nearly doubled her distance to run the 1500 meters um, and won the bronze medal um, behind Faith and myself. So I've been on the track with her and uh, raced her and, you know, whether we're talking about any sort of issue that's going on with the sport, kind of the way that I personally have decided is important for me, um, you know, the place for me to arrive on race day is that when I step on that line, that starting line, you know, that's the ultimate great equalizer. And Mm -hmm. if the IAAF allows somebody to stand on that starting line, then my job is to beat them. And so, you know, whether we're talking about the issue of doping and drugs or we're talking about Testosterone testing, or whether we're talking about you know people changing their nationalities in the middle of the season, you know whatever the controversial issue is, to me the debate ends at the starting line for me, and then my job just becomes to race them as best I can.
0: That's awesome. That is awesome. Hey, that's see, that's that's Jenny Simpson right there. <laughs> All right. So, um, Yeah
1: uh, it's tough though, you know, because you want you want you want the IAAS to get it right. Um, and that's why I say, you know, I I want them to take the time that they need to, to kind of look in all the different areas and make sure they're getting the decision right so that on the start line, the right people that deserve to be there are there.
0: True that. Well, yeah, it is going to take some time, from what I understand. But uh, thank you for taking the time uh, to be with us, uh, Jenny. And and I I did want to add, you know, you mentioned about the high school uh, boys and like if they race you, they'd smoke you. Okay, let's. I just want to put it out there: if some high school dude wanted to race you and he beat you, he's going to have to face me next. That's all I got to say. He's going to have to face me. I beat a horse. Now what? I'm,
1: I'm pretty wily, too. So I would take on a high school kid. I would think, I don't know if, they, if they're as... Uh, as- as wily and as slick and as as creative as I am when it comes to winning races. <laughs>
0: and disciplined. <laughs> disciplined. I think that might right. be what wins the day. Okay, so trackjenny.com, folks, and also at trackjenny. You can keep up with her, especially with the uh, Olympic U.S. Olympic team uh, trials that are coming up in three weeks. Um, happy July 4th to you and your husband, Jenny. Thank you again so much for joining us. We, we would love to have you back again, too.
1: I would love it. Yeah, sometime after US
2: Championships or heading to the trials, we'll have to we'll have to catch up and I'll tell you how it goes. Awesome. best of luck to you during the trials. Yeah, thank
1: you.
0: Next up to bat here on Sibling Rivalry Sports on 979, The Hill is another all-American who is very familiar in these tobacco road parts. He is a former world champion defensive back for the St. Louis Rams. He's also a former freshman All-American for the University of North Carolina Tar Heel Football. And he's back in town coaching the defensive backs, hopefully to that end as well, for Mac Brown's Tar Heels. Dre Bly. Please enjoy this visit with Dre Bly here on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on WCHL 97.9 The Hill. And now we're we're atop The Hill with this guest that we have joining us. He's a two-time Pro Bowl, All-Pro, Super Bowl 34 champion, two-time NFC champion, three-time college football All-American 2014 College Hall of Fame inductee. Number thirty-two, or if you're specific, thirty-one, in your program, number one in your heart, Dre Bly. Dre,
3: what's going on? What's going on, guys? Good to be here, man.
0: Man, we are honored to have you today. One of the best of all times. Just got to put 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 a hand clap together for that. Just one of the best of all time. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you, it, man. People love hearing your name. People love. You know, seeing your face. Uh, I know that you uh, represented for Mac Brown recently when he was inducted to the uh, to the College Hall of Fame and that type of thing. But what would you tell people with that generic question that they might ask, "What you're up to?" I'm sure people are interested.
3: Uh, Well, basically, um, you know, since I've been done, I've just been very involved in the community here in Charlotte. Uh, Started a couple of youth organization football teams and baseball teams fell in love with it. Um I have five kids and my two oldest boys, um, you know, are very athletic and so they got me going and just fell in love with it. And so the last four or five years I've really been polishing up on my coaching skills, um, pursuing that. Um I just got back from Miami, did the um, defensive internship with the Dolphins and then I did a internship last year with the Saints, with those guys all the preseason, and then, you know, they got that new Alliance League, American Alliance League, um, where they got, like, eight different teams, Uh, Singletary is a coach, Mm -hmm. Uh, Steve Spurrier, Rick Neuhauser, Mike Marks has a team um, in San Diego, and he hired me as his DB coach, so um, I'm looking forward to that various sites, that league starts the first week after the Super Bowl, they have a TV deal, so Mm -hmm. they'll be televising game weekly and um it's like a spring leaf for the NFL. So I'm very excited about that man. Um you know, coaching and giving back and teaching. Being around a game is what I love to do, and um, I'm looking forward to that start.
0: Yeah, now that's the Alliance of American Football. Everybody, I would I would advise you to go look it up. It's pretty incredible what they have planned for that league. AAF.com. Lots of football people. Every single coach in every single city, as Dre is saying, is is legit. So he's going to be with that San Diego franchise under Mike Martz, coaching the DBs. That is exciting. Now, um, I, I do. I do want to ask you this so you had you had 13 interceptions uh just going back to your your career as a Tar Heel freshman season that's that's when that's when everybody knew you were on the scene 11 in the season two in the Gator Bowl against West Virginia um but there was a there was a game that you uh, you guys played this is kind of a blast from the past There was a game that you played later in your career I think it was your senior year against Stanford I don't know if you recall this I'm sure there are many moments but uh I could hear you watching on television. You yelled out to the Stanford sideline. They, I think they, it was early in the game. I think they, they were looking at coming your way, but they didn't. And you yelled out, don't come my way. You could hear it (laughs) over TV or what have you. That always impressed me big time. And, you know, the interceptions, uh, your last two seasons, you had a combined nine interceptions. It seemed like people got wise to who you were and that type of thing and and stopped coming your way. Was, Was that a little, as a player, if you can go back to just as a college player, was that a little frustrating? Is that what we heard when you yelled that out? Or what was that like that they started to kind of fear you?
3: Well, I mean, that that comes with the territory. You know, I, I jumped on the scene early, you know, making plays. And, you know, and, and I feel like and I tell people this, you know, looking at our defense that we had in 96, you know, looking at what was around, we had a great support cast. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was up to Robert Williams and I to, to hold out into the bargains. You know? And being the younger guys on the defense, that's what it was. And, you know, we had to step up to the plate, and we did. And so once I got to that status, got to that level, and realize, um, you know, I was making a lot of plays, and realized that you know I was going to be targeted a little differently. Um, you know, it sort of got a little frustrating, but that comes with the territory. You know, Deion Sanders was a guy that I idolized as a kid, mm-hmm. um, and you know, playing that position as a DB, you have to be, you have to be very vocal. You have to be a guy that that has a lot, a, a, a lot of confidence, that play with a lot of swag, and I was one of the things that I, I did. Um, you know try to make the game fun when you're out there competing. Uh, you just want to remind guys, you know, hey, this is, you know, this is what I can do, and, and if you come my way, I'm going to make you pay. And so that's <laughs> pretty much how I play the game.
2: Hey, I, I wanted to ask kind of along that those lines, though. Like, I, I was watching a game from this weekend, and eh, – at what point, especially now that you're going to be getting, uh, you're going to be on the sidelines coaching guys at the position? At what point do you put a, a player in check for having? I guess, too much swagger, too much confidence, and they haven't yet backed it up. Like, I, I see a lot of guys like that sometimes that they'll be ta- they'll be down like 40 to 7, and they make a play, and they get up, and they're pumping <laughs> off at the top. I'm like, what are you doing? You know, like, h- how do you kind of uh, uh, balance wanting a guy to have confidence but, like, also <laughs> understanding the, the, the big picture?
3: Well, it has to be realistic. It has to be real. You know, at any point when you're losing forty to seven, you know there shouldn't be a lot of chirping going on, when you, you, or a lot of smack talking, because you know you're down forty points. And so, but still, at the end of the day, you're out there competing, regardless of. Uh, I can see both sides of it because at the end of the day, you know you, you want to, you know, you want to play. You don't want to change. Whether you know, I tell DBs. I tell kids I coach, you know, you want to remain the same when, when the sky is, is sunny or when it's cloudy, and um, but still you have to understand, be realistic about it. Uh, you don't want to be uh, look like a, a you know a jerk why why you doing so. But um, it's hard, you know, when you are out there competing in front of millions of people and and on a big stage, it's kind of hard to to to, to pull yourself in. But you know the one thing. That I always did, you know. I understood. I understood the the big picture. I understood when it was needed and and when it wasn't a time to do it. And so, um, you know, that's basically how it is.
2: Yeah, we've uh, speaking of the big stage, we've been talking a lot the, the past couple of weeks, running up into the NFL start on how the the rules have changed in terms of tackling for in the NFL. Uh, I was wondering how how would you approach. The game today. If if you were still out there playing, w- with regards to you know you you've been playing one way, you've been tackling one way your whole life, and now you have to kind of reteach yourself on the proper way to approach a guy, even though you're going full speed and have to make a split second decision. What, what what are your thoughts on on these rule changes? Is it good for the game to you know kind of clean up some of the head injuries and that kind of thing? Or, I mean, or is it difficult?
0: Are you guys going to be doing that in the AAF, too? Are you going to be teaching heads-up tackling?
3: Oh, yeah. You want to teach the proper way. You know, that's one of the reasons why I got involved. It's There's so, it's so, it's so many bad coaches out there, guys, not teaching the right way, you know, on a youth level, uh, teaching guys the wrong way to tackle, teaching guys the wrong way to practice. Um, you know, I, I, I tell people that I think I was ahead of my time because I wasn't the most physical of guys, um, you know, when I did You know, get a little dirty and and stick, you know, and got a little involved. I I didn't particularly stick my head in there. I was always a shoulder tackler or, or, you know, with my hands. So, um, yeah, I I think just trying to clean up the game, but you got to be careful how much you do because at the end of the day, you know, you got these defense defense players that's going in and they're scared to throw and scared, you know, scared to lunge. And then by them not doing so, they're endangering themselves. And so, and if you got a guy coming on a, a, a skinny post, and you got the safety coming downhill, um, if the safety does you know, if you don't give it his all or or try to to uh, you know get the ball out of his hands, and if you go in catching, you know more so catching the uh, the, the offensive player, then he might endanger himself or might miss tough. So it's it's kinda a fifty fifty situation. Um it's it's kinda um you know the, the defensive player is, is sorta like in a, 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 a lose lose situation, but um, you know, it's tough, man. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I played the game during the time when the game was very physical and I was able to make it out okay, not having uh, any concussions and not having a lot of injuries. So I was able to make it through. Um, so you just got to try to find that fine line, you know, you want to teach guys the proper way. You want to – safety is always the most important thing, but still at the end of the day, the game has to be played, and the game um, has to be played a certain way.
0: That's right. Okay, so, Dre, speaking of what you're teaching – I noticed a change in technique and you know, I'm not an expert. I wish I was, but uh, I, I've noticed a change in technique maybe since two thousand sixteen, I think, is when I first noticed that teams seen a lot of teams are turning more to a corner, a defensive back, when they're covering receiver, having their back to the action fully focused on the receiver and when I, the, hate, it. It, I, I it, hate thank it. you. Will you please help me with this?
3: I hate it. And that's how most of the defensive back coaches are teaching the defenders is to play through his hands, to turn into the receiver. And um, I hate it because you, you take a playmaker. I mean, you, you, basically the defensive player isn't allowed to be a playmaker. And so uh, you just got to find a way to teach. And the reason why is because you, you got guys that can't play the ball you got guys don't know when to look back. And so because they don't know how to play the ball, they don't know when to look back, you know, they get beat. And so, uh, you know, when I become a DB DB coach, I'm going to teach my guys to play the ball. You know, I can live with a guy that's trying to make a play and get beat versus a guy that's not playing the ball and get beat. You mm-hmm. know, and that's the thing about playing DB. You're going to get beat. They're going to catch passes. But if they making passes, completing passes, and catching balls when you're trying to be – You know, aggressive and make plays, then I can live with that. But if they're making plays on you up and down the field, and you're not aggressive trying to make play, then that's when I'm gonna have a problem. And so I think with coaching, you just gotta find, you gotta teach these guys how to read the eyes, how to read the shoulders, and really drill that. And uh, to the point where a defensive back can be allowed to make a play, man. You know, like that's one of the things I'm gonna specialize in as a coach. Is that's one of the things I was blessed in. I tell players at the top all the time specialize in what you're great at and what you're not great in and what you're not good and you work on that all the time and so i'm gonna specialize i'm gonna find my players and i'm gonna find out what they do well and specialize help those guys be great in what they do well as a player and then what the areas they need to improve and we're gonna really work on that but playing the ball is one of the things i want to be known as a db coach uh, and I feel like it's very important. And it was it was very important for us. You know, Robert Williams played on the other side of me. Mm-hmm. He didn't have...
0: That, by the way, that's the best corner uh, tandem yeah. I believe that NC has ever seen. Oh,
3: yeah. I mean, I, oh yeah, no doubt, hands down. I tell people all the time, Robert mm-hmm. Williams is the best corner, the best cover corner to ever go to Carolina. And because he didn't have a lot of picks, that doesn't mean he didn't play the ball.
0: No, no. I say, I, I'm saying that both of y'all were the best tandem. I just want to make sure you understood oh, yeah, yeah. that. Okay. So,
3: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Now I heard what you said, but I was saying, you know, just you know, people always mention about Robert and mm-hmm. him, you know, he had breakups or he didn't have hands and this and that. Robert always played the ball. You know, if you put yourself in proper position and, and be in the right position, um, you know, you're supposed to play the ball and we were always in great position. But then I ain't gonna say I'm not gonna say necessarily always in great position, but we just knew when to look back for the ball. Mm-hmm. And um and that's what I'm gonna teach. I'm a I'm a specialized to that and um, and hopefully, you know when you see a group of guys that's being coached by me, you can say those guys are playmakers. Those guys play the ball.
0: That sounds awesome. That sounds awesome.
3: Well, we, we want to let you out with with one uh, final question
2: talking about the current team at, at Carolina, the current state of affairs. O and two going into this weekend, we don't know if. The game is going to get rescheduled or canceled, or what Hurricane Florence is going to do. But uh, just when you when you look from afar, obviously you were back for Mac Brown's recognition, uh, the Hall of Fame recognition that they had here in Chapel Hill for him. Um, I'm wondering just how, how close you remain to the program, and and what are your thoughts on you know just the kind of the the turmoil, if you will, the situation, the the hard times that the program is going through right now.
3: Well, it's a tough time right now. I'm really close to the program. Um, I have a great deal of respect for Coach Fedor and the coaches that they have. Um, you know, ever since he's been on staff, been the head coach, you know, we've interacted, we've talked. You know, I've you know I've come down and, and visited and met with players and, and stuff like that. And so it's a tough time right now. You know, it was sort of tough last year with those guys experiencing what they did, guys in the draft and then experiencing all those injuries and then having – uh, you know, the problems that they had last year. And we were hoping this year for a different start, you know, a different outcome. But, you know, you know, dealing with some of the things that they've been dealing with at uh, the start of the season with guys being suspended and then still the instability at the quarterback position with rap being hurt and then Elliott. Um, you know, it's it just it's a tough time right now. Hopefully, you know, the good thing about this right now is, um, I mean, you only can get better, you know, and that's the way you you have to look at it. Um, It's not the end of the road. You still got a lot of football left to play. You control your own destiny. And so, um, you know, if you eliminate the mistakes, the penalties, and some of the things they haven't done as well, uh, you you have a chance to bounce back. And and so hopefully those guys can bounce back. Uh, You know, if they play this weekend, get a chance to play at home, in front of the home crowd, hopefully we get a – you know, have a, a a good good attendance where you know the guys, you know the fans would be able to loop the guys on, and so hopefully they can bounce Batman. man. But it's a tough time. You know, being a former player and, and playing, doing the time that I played when football was was as high as it's been, um, it's tough to see those guys struggle like they're struggling, like they've been struggling of late.
0: Yes. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time. I was just really starting to get to, to get to enjoy this. But, uh, Dre, thank you so much. I mean, you know, I got a five-page treatise. I was just in Canton, Ohio, for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame induction and, and covering that. I, I got a five-page treatise. Why, you're, you're bust is uh it needs to be you know in the makeup there but you know that's i guess that's another show
3: (laughs) thank you (laughs) so much yeah yeah, yeah, that's another show i appreciate that man um but uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your evening man and um and shoot go here that's it
0: for today that's all we have time for man we have many more that we would consider to be all americans but those are two of our favorites Thank you for tuning in for CL Brown. I'm Chris Brown, and this is Sibling Rivalry Sports on
2: 97.9 The Hill.